Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? I'm ready for the word. You ready? All right. It's going to be a good one today. All right. Again, my goal, my job is to tell you what God told me to tell you. And he did. He, I, I, you'll learn how in a moment. Okay. But your job is to look and try to get two, three, two things today. Now, whichever two they are, I'm going to offer some things and I'm going to offer you some things to think about. But you may actually receive something today that's not in my notes, nothing that comes out of my mouth, because God is looking at you individually. He has something for you special without regard to where you are in life, where you're coming from, where you're going. You may be absolutely on the top of life, or you may be at the bottom of life, or you may be somewhere in the middle, but God has something for you. There's always something you can do to please God, and there's always something that God wants to give you. God always wants to give you something. He just does. He loves giving you things. You know, you're, you're his kids. He loves giving you things more than you love giving your kids things. Isn't that cool? I love that. So God is up there just excited he's going to be handing out and he can listen to every one of your hearts he knows where you are he knows your name he knows even the number of the hairs on your head jeff which is you know is, is, yeah. and he knows us he loves us and he has something for us now this amazed me whenever I came to the reality uh, and realized that God really knows me and loves me and he treats me as an individual like one of his kids. And this morning he's interested in me. How in the world can God pay attention to me in, in, in this group, especially you know, uh, you know, in, in the fact uh, that he sees everybody in the world at the same time? It's because he lives outside of a dimension that I can understand. He lives in a timeless dimension. You know, when we think of eternity, we think of a long, long, long time. It's not. It, it, eternity is no time. There is no time. No. And if you could, like, you know, push the pause for eternity, for, you know, and think about it. That's how, you know, you can go fishing for a million years in heaven and still get home in time for dinner. Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, that's how God can listen to every prayer and answer every prayer individually. That's how he today can give each one of you, uh, you know, time today. It's because time is not a limitation for him. I don't know how it works. It kind of hurts my brain to think about it, Dean, but it works. It's just, the, you know, sometimes I try to think, and I just can't think that big, how that God lives completely outside the limitations of time and how he can individually care about me every second of my life from the time I was conceived until the time I see him face to face. I have not been off of his mind, out of his mind, not one second. I don't understand how that happens. Maybe some of you, you know, can help me. But I know that it happens. 
that his mind is full and he's paying attention and he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful and he's all-knowing and he's all-present. That's just amazing to me. That's why he can lead us and guide us and, 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 and help us and answer our prayers and know where we are. And he can sit beside us in our night times. And when we're going through difficulties or, or disappointments, that's why he never leaves me. He has said that I might boldly say, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Isn't that amazing? He's worthy of my praise and my attention, but he's always with me. You know, he lives inside of me, inside of you. He lives there. You are his home. He has come to take up residence. He was with me, but when I invited him in, and received Jesus as my Savior, He moved in me. Wow. He, you know, well, today we're going to talk about invisible inspiration. Okay? And today we're going to read a very familiar account in the book of Mark. We've been in the book of Mark. We're up to chapter 14. Uh, and, and we're going to discover the invisible inspiration of God. And you'll recognize it, okay? How that God is at work in your life. But today we're going to read about how he was at work in the life of a young lady. Uh, you know, uh, most likely she was completely unaware of just how important she was in the plan of God. And most of you are sitting in that same situation. Most of you right now are probably unaware of how important you are to the plan of God in your family, in your community, in your daily activities, in your church. You perhaps may not even realize that God has his hand on you like he did on this young lady. And, uh, you know, to many people, this young lady seemed as though she was a very unlikely candidate to be chosen by God to be a part of his plan. But that's just not the truth. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you may remember if you've read through, you know, uh, 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 the book of Mark, you remember this young lady. She was a woman who owned a, an alabaster jar. Depends on the translation you're reading. Alabaster box, an alabaster container. An alabaster jar of very costly perfumed oil. And... Uh, she valued this. We imagine it to be perhaps the one thing she valued and treasured more than anything else in her life. You know, many people who are much, uh, you know, uh, 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 better at study than I am, they, uh, the, the, the scholars have, uh, have considered that perhaps this was her, uh, you know, saved all of her life, or maybe, uh, you know, uh, took her all of her, you know, uh, 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 earnings to have purchased this and was holding it perhaps for her wedding day, you know, uh, and, but, you know, something changed her plans. There will be three important elements that I'm going to want you to listen for while we read this account. Okay? Uh, the first important element that, that we're going to find in this story 
is, uh, it, it, it involves the invisible inspiration of God. Okay, so be on the lookout for the invisible inspiration of God. Uh, a second element is critical timing. We're going to see how critical timing fits into this particular account that God is giving us. And by the way, this, this New Testament account is written to us and left as a letter to us so that it might encourage and inspire us and we might see how God will also work in our lives, how God does things. That's what the Bible tells us. And the third uh, will be, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some personal cost. Okay? Are you ready? Mark the 14th chapter, the New Living Translation, beginning in verse 1. Now, it was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Verse 3, meanwhile, Jesus, meanwhile, while people were plotting, planning to kill him, <laughs> capture him, you know, you know uh, all in secret. Isn't that amazing? If you want to know more about the first two verses, uh, log on to uh, cotr.com or churchonline.tv. You can find, I, I preached from those first two verses this past Wednesday evening, and, and, and it was a marvelous revelation of what, uh, what was going on and how, how uh, that applies to our lives today. But while all this is going on, all this planning, two days before Passover, all this planning to kill Jesus secretly. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While Jesus was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they ask. What are you doing wasting such costly and expensive perfume? What's going on? Well, let me assure you, whatever you do for the body of Christ is never a waste, okay? To honor Jesus with our best is not a burden of life. It's a privilege. It's a great honor. What a privilege for this woman to have been called by God to do this. What a privilege. It was not a burden. It was not a hardship. It was not a disappointment. Oh, gosh, he wants my oil, you know? Let's continue. Why was this fragrant oil wasted, they said with indignation. Verse 5, it could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Whew, I don't like to be scolded, especially as an adult and especially in private. And even more, especially for something that I'm doing that's good and kind and loving and caring, just caring about people, just taking the time to love on people and care about them, and somebody's going to scold you harshly. Verse 6, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. Yay, Jesus. Why criticize her? For doing such a good thing to me, you will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. I love that. I, you know, you know, 
You can help them anytime you want. Do you want to? Well, that's another sermon. We'll do that some other time. Okay? But just remember, there's plenty of people out here. Jesus looked on the fields. They were, he, he said, look, look, they are ripe unto harvest. It's just the laborers that are few. It's the people who are willing and want to that aren't, you know, that, that, are, out, that, that are lacking. Okay. Well, uh, let's read on. You, you know, you could help them, but you will not always have me. Verse 8. She has done what she could. Boy, you could just... We could go home right there if you would take that to heart. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. There's Jesus prophesying that this story was going to be you know, preached and the good news and the gospel was going to be preached throughout the world. Here he is prophesying about the evangelistic intent he had for the good news to be you know, preached throughout the world. And wherever the good news is preached, she's going to be discussed and remembered. So let's discuss her and remember her just a little bit, okay? Because we're fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus here. And, and uh, you know, I I love what, what, what the Scripture says. She has done what she could. You know, that is all that we are ever required to do, by the way. The Bible says that, that it's accounted unto man, and, you know, a, 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 and God will bless you according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot do what you cannot do. But she did what she could, and that's the only thing God will ever ask you to do. And let me tell you, the, the, the Holy Spirit really does believe that, that together you and him can accomplish God's will. He'll never ask you to do something or to do more than you and him can accomplish together. Isn't that good? Boy, I love that. She reached her highest. She reached the highest that she could on the shelf of her life. There are things she could not do. But she could give her best. And she could, you know, uh, uh, do what she did, even though it wasn't popular, even though she got criticized harshly, scolded. It may have taken everything she had, but you know she willingly gave it. The Bible says here, Jesus said, she has come beforehand. Now let's think about that just a moment. She is here ahead of time. Not, not, not ahead of her time. But she's here before anybody else knows what's going on. She's here beforehand to anoint my body ahead of time. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting because how did she know? How did she know? Well, I see no indication that she did know. I see no indication at all that she knew that Jesus was about to be crucified in two days. So what's she doing there? No one else in the room knows. There's nobody else there that, that, that understands this. What made her do this thing? Well, it's evident that this lady 
saw something nobody else saw. She heard something that the others did not hear. She felt something that others did not feel. And so she did something that others did not do. And she got criticized for doing what others would not do. But she's also remembered for what she did when others aren't. Because she saw something, heard something, felt something. What was it that she felt? What was it that she saw? Others weren't there. Do you know, I believe that God today is reaching down into people's lives with an invisible inspiration to do something that he needs done that may seem so small on the scale of world events, but so big in the life of someone that God loves and cares about and and is needing something. I even imagine, uh, I'm free to imagine this, because I see it in other places in the scripture, that she might not have been God's first choice. There were other people more qualified and better sitting right around him, his disciples. And in the house of Simon, and, you know, uh, most likely, you know, uh, you know there, were, there were a lot of people there. Uh, they were having this dinner there. And we're told in other accounts that a lot of people were there. There were probably people who were more righteous, more holy, who maybe, you know, who were better qualified, more anointed, you know, spent time with Jesus, but weren't paying attention or didn't move at that inspiration. I've seen that in times past. We see it in the Word of God. You know, she may not have been the Holy Spirit's first choice, but she was his last one. You know, you may not be the first person that God asks to do something that he needs done, but I hope you're the last one he has to ask. The young rich ruler that day on the road to Jericho was the first person that Jesus asked to sell what you have and give it to the poor. He said no. He didn't do it. He didn't feel it. He didn't see it. So right down the road, Jesus talked to Zacchaeus, asked him the same thing. Zacchaeus was not the first person that Jesus asked to help the poor that day. But Zacchaeus was the last one. This account amazes me. It inspires me. Here, here this woman, she allowed the Holy Spirit to use her without knowing why. Do you know how many times that uh, when I was raising my kids that I would say, do this, and they'd say, why? Whoo! That really bothered me. <laughs> I had a list on a yellow sheet of paper. What's it called, Pastor Marcus? Hammond's House Rules. It had, that's what it had on it. Yeah, that man remembers. I told him whenever he started having kids, I said, this is what you need to do. You need to get you a, a piece of paper. You know, I, before my kids could read, whenever, you know, they're a year old, it was posted on their door. Here are some things that mommy and daddy don't like. And they grew up understanding that we don't slam doors. If you slam doors, you get two spats. You don't get two spats because you make mommy and daddy mad. 
You get two spats because slamming doors is not allowed in this house. You know if they slammed the door, what they'd do? They would go get that little paddle and bring it to me, even if I was in the middle of having a conversation with people, say, I slammed the door. Do you know I did not want to give them two spats? I mean, I, I, I didn't. But I would set them up in and never, never to hurt them. i go, but only to remind them. Never hurt them. Never. But a reminder. You know, what parent, the Bible says, loves a child and won't correct them? So we had a list of things, you know, fighting, you know, you know all, all those little things. One of them was uh, asking a second time. Oh, that was big in my house, you know. Somebody else asking, you know, if, you know, we had friends over and they'd say, you know, uh, can I go home with, with you know, uh, 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 Jenny? And, and they know that they know to ask me when I give them my attention, I'd listen and I'd pat them on the back, and I'll, I'll say, uh, just a minute, sweetheart. They couldn't ask again. Why? Because it's on our list. If you ask twice, the answer is no. Oh, and, you know, their friends weren't used to this. You know, now, now my kids are in their 40s, okay? But their friends weren't used to this. So their friends would say, well, let me go ask them. Let me go ask them. Let me go ask them, you know? And they'd say, no. I mean, they'd jump on their friends and wrestle them down to the ground. No, no, no. Because if you ask, can't you see what's on my door? If you ask, the answer is no. And I had to be really consistent, loving and caring and kind and sit down. Always prayed with them after I corrected them. Always set them in my lap and gave them my attention and prayed for them every time. You know, because it's, and one of the things was asking why. If you ask why, then you're in trouble. One of the things you have to do is sit down and listen to daddy. That was the worst punishment. They had rather, they had rather, please, please, you know, hit me with the paddle. Please don't, no, please don't, please don't talk to me. Well, I'm sorry, but you're going, you know, some things were time out. Some things, you know, you, uh, uh, we didn't have cell phones. I could have taken that away from them. But, uh, uh, but uh, you know, I created a rod of correction. The Bible says a rod of correction drives foolishness from the heart of a child. The rod was, was designed to measure things with and to encourage and guide. You have to create a proper measurement. Children don't change when you fuss at them. And they don't change because you're mad at them. Okay? I'm, 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 I'm talking to somebody here. Okay? Uh, listen. If little Johnny asks you for a cookie before dinner and you tell him no, why should he imagine that your no means no? It should be a kind no, a loving no. And hopefully as he grows, he'll understand why. But the first thing he needs to understand is that mommy or daddy said no. But if he asks a second time, a third time, a ninth time, a tenth time, and the time that he asks is a time whenever you're cooking, and he says, I'm on a cookie, and you go, no, I've told you ten times. You know, oh, wow, 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 you know, now get in your room. Little Johnny has no concept of anything that he did wrong because he asked nine times and there was not a problem. The only thing he realizes is he made mommy or daddy mad. And what he will spend the rest of his life doing is trying not to make authority mad. He won't drive within the speed limit. 
Okay? Because wrong ain't wrong. It's only wrong when you go too fast or too far or do too much. And we do raise generations that think that, that too much is what the problem was because I finally made somebody mad. Mm -mm. So, this woman, I don't know how I got off on that. <laughs> That's some good stuff, though. You know, let your children know what's expected of them. And don't be changing all the time. And involve them. As they grew, I involved them. We would sit down and we'd modify this. And I said, well, what do you think is fair and reasonable? And they would always be too hard on themselves. And I would have to back it off and back it off. Because children love discipline. They want to know what's expected of them. They need to know what's expected of them. And it needs to be done in loving and kindness and care and with prayer. And never in anger. Never one time in my life have I disciplined my children in anger. It didn't happen. I didn't want a repeat of things that I experienced growing up. But that takes some planning. That you do that on purpose. Okay? That's what David cried out to God. Do not discipline us in your hot dis, you know, Disanger, you know, hot disappointment, you know. Don't be, you know, please don't. Okay, so, hey, what's this? The past is over. Now, do it right from now on, okay? Why not? Get a plan. Let people know what's expected of them. Employees as well. Let them know what's expected of them. Be nice and kind, okay? And if you have to correct something, do it with loving care and kindness. All right, back to this lady. <laughs> she didn't know what, you know, the reasons were behind her feeling at her home like, I need to get up and take my greatest possession and go over there to that house and I need to pour this, open it up, and pour this on Jesus' head. No indication at all. She just had a broken spirit. And, and, and an inspiration. And this account amazes me. You know, uh, it, it inspires me that I too would hope that God would choose me and use me and that I would listen to him, that I would, that I would sense that invisible inspiration uh, nudging me to do something without knowing why, without knowing the details, and I would nonetheless say, okay, that I'll move with kindness and joy and, and love and care and do something for someone else that God needs done, whether it's witness or whether it's phone call or a text or just be kind or caring or reach out or help someone pump some gas or move a box or something else. How many times have you been walking across a parking lot at some place and see someone you know struggling to get something in a car and a little thought goes to you you know you know how to help that person but you go nah and you just keep on walking how many times has the holy spirit inspired you to do something to say something to be kind to be caring to be loving to reach out and and we pass by you know uh, uh, the holy spirit is so interested he is so involved in everything we do everything you do not just in the big things but in the little things you know everything that involves you is on the mind of god everything Everything that involves you is on God's mind. 
When we ignore the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can miss the best that God wants for us or for others. You know, uh, just like Mordecai told Queen Esther, you may remember the story in the book of Esther. If not, it's a great story. Read it because Mordecai says to her, timing is critical. That's what he says to her. He says, listen, if you all together hold your peace at this time, Surely enlargement and deliverance will rise to the Jews from another place, but you will have missed it. You and your family are going to die right here because time is critical. It was critical for this woman to do this and do it right now. Why? Because Jesus is going to be dead in two days. She couldn't have done this next time he came to town. She couldn't have done this, you know, well, I'll wait till after Passover. No, he wouldn't have been around. You know, maybe that's what some other people said. Whenever the Lord may have inspired them to do something, they might have said, well, yeah, I'll do it later. Well, you know, well, you know, well, you know, not that oil. I'm going to go buy some other oil, you know, not, you know, whatever. You know, this week I was encouraged by that invisible inspiration. I, uh, I had a starter go bad on a generator that is on a, 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 a motor home that I have. And the last time this starter went out, it cost me over $500. I took it to a certified mechanic, and uh, they spent two days taking it off and putting it in. Because the, the, the only other uh, option was to take the generator completely out. That's what's recommended by the manufacturer. It has to, the generator has to be taken out in order to replace the starter because the flywheel is, 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 is about a half inch away from a nut that has to be screwed on the back of a starter that you have to reach about 10 inches into a little hole to unscrew one side and you can't get anything up in the other, you know, you can't get your fingers in there, you, you know, it's just hard. So it took this guy two days. I did save, you know, a, 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 about $500 last time with him replacing it. But, you know, a, a Friday I just thought, you know, eh, you know, I'm going to do this myself. So I go down there and I work and work and it's not that hard to get off, but that's because the bolt on the back falls off. The little nut falls down, you know, uh, those of you who have done some things like that know how aggravating that can be. So I spent about an hour and 20 minutes or so trying to get that somehow back together and it just wasn't happening. Now my options were, you know, to quit to, you know, all, all, but all of a sudden I had an inspiration an invisible, unseen inspiration. All of a sudden, I was inspired to ask God for help. Now, I wasn't told what to do. I was just inspired to ask God for help. It was the Holy Spirit or some angel speaking into my ear, you know, and I've had this happen in times past, but I don't know why I laid there for an hour and 20 minutes getting frustrated and scratching my hands and, and everything else in the world, uh, you know, before, you know, Finally, an angel goes, why don't you ask God for help? You know? So I put everything, I, I actually laid the tools on my chest, and I just laid out under that motorhome, and I said, Lord, I need some help. Would you help me, sir? Would you send an angel to help me, Lord, or, or just give me some wisdom, Lord? And all of a sudden, I saw it in my mind. Ah, 
wiggled out from under that thing and I went and found a piece of cardboard in the back of my Suburban and I, I tore it off and I, I tore it in the right shape that I figured it was in. You know, and, and, and then I got me some duct tape and I put on that cardboard and took that nut and put it on that duct tape and I slid that cardboard up in there just right and made me a little bridge to hold that starter up with another wrench and I, I got the thing and, and I duct taped that long bolt to, to, to the end of my tool just enough so that I could pull it off because I knew I was going to have to go in and out because there's only like you know, uh, you know a half inch in there and I slid that cardboard up in there and it went and just huh I told Brenda you know I mean I, I, I did just you know throw my hands back on that motorhome and just start laughing and worshiping God and just giggled and laughed and giggled. And I, I told Brenda, you know, and, and uh, I, I said, listen, I need to write this down and put it in their manual because the manual that I read online says this whole thing has to be taken out of here. And you got to take the whole thing out and then take the flywheel off and then get it. Uh, no, uh-uh. oh my, I was just so excited. God could help. And timing was really serious as well because it was already after five and I had a dinner appointment with a pastor that was traveling through town at six and I'm, you know, greasy and I'm, uh, and I'm on my back and, 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 I, and so, uh, you know, it was either now or never because I didn't think I was getting back under there a second time. You know, I was probably going to have to take it somewhere and spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time and everything else and get frustrated and I would have said, no, there's no other way to do it it's not possible but you know things that seem impossible are possible with God God knows how to do everything and I don't know why yeah give the Lord a hand I don't know why as old as I am and as much as I know God helps I don't know why it took me an hour and 20 minutes before I realized I need to ask him for help but I was inspired to ask him. That's where my inspiration came from. That nudge, that little gentle nudge, that invasion of the thoughts. All of a sudden, that you know, you're 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 thinking your own thoughts, and then some says, you know, you ought to, you ought to do this, and you go, oh, yeah. okay, wow. Well, uh, uh, listen, there is no equal to having a companion like the Holy Spirit. There just is no equal. Uh, well, we could go on and on about this, but, you know, a similar thing happened to Zacchaeus. You all remember we talked about him a moment ago? Do you know when Zacchaeus went and climbed up in that sycamore tree? Do you know he had to have some inspiration to do that? Something had to inspire him. He didn't know. No one understood But Zacchaeus, living in Jericho, a very important man, no doubt he had seen Jesus and the crowd come through Jericho so many times because that's the route they used to go to Jerusalem. And no doubt as Jesus walked through and all the crowd walking through with him, and, you know, I mean, Zacchaeus, you know, probably had other chances. But today, God needed someone who was willing to help some poor people who must have been praying, who must have needed something. Somebody needed something that day, and it moved the Holy Spirit to nudge Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, go climb up in that tree. Zacchaeus could have said, well, I'll see Jesus next time he comes through town. Sorry, there won't be a next time. Do you know if Zacchaeus had not have moved at that nudge or that inspiration, he probably thought it was, well, that's just a thought. That's just a thought. Climb up a tree. I mean, I'm, I'm, silly me. 
But he went and climbed up that tree. And when he climbed up that tree, Jesus walked by and said, Zacchaeus, knew him by name. You know, I mean, God, God set him up, and Zacchaeus didn't know about it. But do you know if Zacchaeus had not have obeyed that gentle nudge, today most likely he would be in hell. Because it was the last time, his last chance to meet Jesus. Oh. Not everything can be done later. Let me encourage you. you know, we, don't, we, we don't know all the reasons why that God wants us to invest our time, our energy, our efforts somewhere, our attention. We don't know. We can't know. You, you know uh, but you'll never be asked to do more than you can do you and the Holy Spirit together, but you may be asked to do something. But remember, nothing that you do for the body of Christ will ever be wasted. As you're growing the body of Christ, by leading other people to Christ, by encouraging them, by helping them, by blessing them, nothing you do for Jesus will ever be wasted. Refuse to listen to the critics and, and do not consult fear about your future. Just do not consult fear. Stop being afraid of doing something. Don't let fear decide your future. Don't, and don't mistake adversity for God's opposition. Just because somebody criticizes you, or just because a storm comes up and you're out in the boat on the water, or just because, whatever, don't mistake adversity for God being against you. Stop drawing ungodly conclusions about your life. Listen to me now. God loves you. He loves you. He, he, he wants to have a happy child in his house. He wants you to be happy and fun and excited and, and fulfilled. You know, Stop drawing ungodly conclusions about your life. God wants it to be better than you imagine, not worse. The Holy Spirit is your friend. He speaks to you. Okay, well, here are three things as I'm closing. Uh, so here are three things that I want to leave you with this morning, and may maybe you've got some better things, okay? Uh, now, let, let me say this first of all. Hearing from the Lord, that gentle nudge, you, you know what I'm talking about, that little gentle nudge, you know, that sends you in a direction. And all of a sudden, you find something that was valuable. And you walk away just a little more satisfied. You know, like Jesus. Jesus went to the well in Samaria, to Jacob's well. He was hungry. The disciples went into the town. A woman came out to draw water, a Samaritan woman. When Jesus talked with her about the kingdom and about who he was and she believed that he was Messiah and then she brought the town back out and Jesus was there preaching and teaching and sharing and loving and being kind and the disciples came back with the food, Jesus wasn't even hungry anymore. He said, no, 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 I don't want anything to eat. You know, 
my meat, my satisfaction, what fills me up is, is doing the will of the Father. Let me tell you, whenever you're inspired by something and you do it, it will fill you up. It will satisfy you. It, it'll, 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 it'll satisfy more you more than what you thought you were longing for or hungry for or wishing or wanting. You know, that satisfaction that comes with having uh, done the will of God. And you are getting nudges. You are getting inspirations, invisible inspirations. You are getting encouragements constantly. And we pass them off. We ignore them. We're too busy for them. You'd be surprised if you would just go with those things. Just being kind and caring and loving. God's not the one nudging you to rob a bank, by the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. But He is nudging you to be a blessing. Okay. He is encouraging you and inspiring you to, to act. For him, you are his hands, his feet. You are his voice heard. He is encouraging you to encourage others. He's nudging you. And he just wants you to know, he's, he's, he's encouraging you to be so different, loving and kind and caring and forgiving. You know, uh, uh, that, that's, that's what he's encouraging. He's encouraging you to care and to take care. So here's three things that I'm going to leave you with. It's, by the way, it's not spooky. This happens every day in life. This is how it happened. This is how God does speak. This is how I got this message. God nudged me, encouraged me, and I saw inspiration. I've never heard this little woman preached about. Never heard her preached about that she saw something others didn't see, heard something others didn't hear. What made her do this? It was that inspiration. It was an invisible inspiration that she went to another man's house and did something that she was harshly scolded for, criticized for. You know, uh, the, the disciples were indignant because she did it. What made her do it? <laughs> it was just something that spoke to her, something that, you know, you know, how many people went, but she went, she went and did it. And now we're telling her story 2,000 years later. I'm in awe of her. And we have this chance every day. Okay, quickly, three things here, okay? Number one. I'm going to encourage you to pay attention to the invisible inspiration of God. Pay attention. Look for it. Listen for it. Feel it. Feel it all the time. You know, some of you do more with it than others. I want you to just begin to pay attention with it. Okay? Pay, pay attention to that inspiration, that little, you know, that little feel. Okay. Uh, number two, realize timing is critical. She could not have done that later. Some things cannot be done tomorrow. Some things have to be done today. Okay? It could be a phone call. It could be a text. Whenever you get that little inspiration, you know. I, I, I was sitting at my house in Ruston, Louisiana in 1986. 1987. Sitting at my house one morning just considering the Lord. And I just got an inspiration to go and see my daddy. It came out of nowhere. It wasn't that I didn't have something to do. It wasn't that I wasn't busy. But you know what I did? I got up and I went to my room and I packed me a little bag. Brenda said, what you doing? I said, sweetheart, I'm, go I'm going to go see my dad. She said, okay, uh, how long are you going to be gone? I said, a few days. You know, I don't know, I'll be back. So I got my bag, went out and, you know, pre-flighted my plane, got in it, you know, took off. And I flew over to northeast Texas. 
And when I was getting close to my daddy's house, I could see he was out on the lawnmower mowing the little back pasture. Oh, I, and I just came right down over him, you know, enough to blow his hat off, you know. And I pulled up, you know, and I came out over him again. And I saw him as I turned out getting off the lawnmower, and he was walking to his pickup. He knew where I would land. I was going to land about, you know, six miles in a guy's pasture. And so I went out and landed in that pasture. How many times have you been in and out of that pasture uh, out there, Jeff? You know, well, yeah, he used to go there and preach, and we'd uh, send you in a plane. And, uh, boy, I, by, by the time I got landed and got my plane shut down good, here my dad pulled up in his old pickup. I got in. He said, what you doing, son? I said, oh, Dad, I just came to say hi. just came to see you. He said, okay, well, you got something to do? I said, no, I just want to see you. And I got my bag. We went home. And for the next five days, I sat on the front porch with my dad in the evening. I helped him out here and there. He said, don't you want to take a car and go see some friends? I said, no, Dad, I just came to see you. And we talked. We talked. We talked. We talked. He told me things that, that you know, that, uh, you know he, things that I should do in my future. And just, you know, just, we just, fine. Well, I said, Dad, I got to go home. got to preach. You know, Sunday morning's coming. I left one morning, got in the plane, flew back home. You know, it was just four days, three days later, four days, I buried my dad. He died. 58 years old. Strong. I'm so thankful for the nudge of God for the inspiration, for that invisible inspiration of God. I'm so glad I didn't say, oh, I'll go see him next week. You know? Pay attention to the invis that invisible inspiration of God. God's speaking to us constantly. Timing is critical. And as well, number three, be less focused on what it will cost you if you do obey God and more concerned about what it will cost others if you don't be less focused on what it's going to cost you to take a minute or two out of your time and help somebody load some lumber in the back of their truck be less concerned about what it's going to cost you to make that phone call or bake that cake or pay for somebody's lunch. Or just encourage someone. Be less concerned about what it's going to cost you to step across those tension barriers that are so common here in this day. And more concerned about what it might cost others if you don't. So many people just need a kind word, a loving hand. And the invisible inspiration of God is with us constantly. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day. 
God bless.